Hey guys, and welcome to Jen and Sam Make a Movie. It's our podcast about everything film-related, everything indie film-related. Uh, we're taking you through this journey of ma- making a movie, and today we're talking about representation in media, specifically marriage representation, and our guest is blogger Alfonso Rochelle. Jen's sending me messages on Skype. How you doing? I'm doing good, y'all. How you doing? I'm doing great. Groovy. Yeah, it's early where you guys are, where you are. It's uh, seven here, and Jen. Jen is always jet setting, so I never ac- actually know where she is. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Hawaii, so it's it's one. I'm not feeling so good, so I'm going to take kind of a back seat during this podcast and listen to Alfonso and Sam just spit out uh, some of the good stuff. All right, well, hey, if you're feeling sick, you, uh, if you're in Hawaii, just bite in one of them coconuts, suck that juice. <laughs> yep. All right, so, uh, yeah, so one of the things, yeah. so go ahead, um, I just reminder to all of you uh, repeat listeners, uh, we did end up meeting a lot of our seed and spark goal. We're excited about uh, filming. We're getting ready, actually, to move from pre-production into production now, just since I know a lot of you are wondering what's going on with our film, what's the next step. So just so you all know, and Alfonso's actually um, going to be part of our film, and so we're excited to have you have you meet him. Yeah, and we're actually, we were in development before technically, so we're still in pre-production, and we'll be in pre-production until July of next year. Okay. I don't know a lot of these terms like you do. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. take it away. So Alfonso is a popular YouTuber and commentator, and um, he talks a lot about uh, marriage, a lot about uh, religious topics, biblical topics. And as our regular listeners know, uh, we always like to address a lot of different viewpoints uh, we want to talk about all different aspects of uh, representation, especially in film. And we want films to showcase reality and all of its perspectives. So today we're going to talk about why representation of marriage matters in film. So Alfonso, a few of your uh, YouTube videos talk about the social value of marriage. So as a content creator, what do you find is the biggest hurdle when you try to make something that's pro-marriage? Uh, well, a lot of people, when they think marriage... It's funny because marriage has a, um, it's kind of got a, a love hate uh, dynamic that goes with it. You know, people like they, they imagine the fairy tale of being married and want to have a nice wedding and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, finding Mr. Right or finding Mrs. Right or, or nowadays it's finding, you know, Mr. Right finding Mr. Right and Mrs. Right finding Mrs. Right. Um, but the thing is, uh, on the downside of that is that people also associate marriage with um, with something that's, is going to intrude on their freedom. You know, somehow marriage, you know, you can't have fun anymore. And, you know, it's the ball and chain and, you know, you can't do these things uh, anymore that you could do when you were single. So, you know, the, the thing that goes against marriage right now is that, well, we're a society that is really self-absorbed. You know, it's, a, it's, we're, we're becoming more and more, you know, a selfish people and being selfish isn't anything new, but you know, when, when selfishness becomes so fashionable, it's hard for people to sustain a marriage. You don't go into a marriage to be selfish. And people are really, really selfish nowadays and very self-focused. It's, I mean, we're in an all-about-me culture. You got to do what's best for you. That's what we're sold on all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's about how much you can floss. 
And, you know, and how much you can floss to impress somebody else, but then you get married to that person, you don't feel like I have to impress them anymore. So, you know, there's a lot of that that goes around. And, um, and I, I imagine that's definitely got to be part of the, uh, the problem because, you know, marriages, they just don't, they don't sustain. They're hardly sustaining now. That's what we got, 50, 51% divorce rate. Yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah. Among religious people and non-religious people alike. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You know, it, t- it takes all kinds. And, uh, and, what, and, you know, before we say that, well, it doesn't look like religion helps much, uh, that's exactly right. Religion doesn't help at all. And I myself am not a religious person. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Christ. And following Christ isn't a habit or a ritual. You know, it's, it's, I don't perform rituals to, stay, to try to stay right with God. So it's not a religion. You're either going to follow the example that Christ and the law that he put down, or you're not. And his laws are laws. They're not rituals. You know, and his, his, his law kind of looks something like this. Don't slander your neighbor. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Um, you know, don't cheat on your spouse. You know, it's like these are these these are kind of what it looks like. It's not about what you do to prove that you're a good person. It's what you don't do to show that yeah. you're not a selfish person. Right. I'm sure that's a big misconception that a lot of people have. Um, but as far as marriage is concerned, uh, when you're making something that's pro-marriage for your channel, per se, uh, what's the biggest hurdle you have or the biggest challenge that you face? One of the things is people not receiving the word of God. It, the person who designed marriage in the first place. So, you know, when people don't want to hear the word from the person who actually created marriage, of course it's going to go south. Even if these are people who call themselves Christians, the Lord talks about them too. You're just paying lip service to me. You're not really getting down with what it is that I'm talking about. You're not really receiving what it is that I'm telling you. You still want to live for yourself. And when you want to live for yourself, your marriage ain't going to work. How do you walk the line between uh, on your videos being preachy versus, you know, just trying to teach people about your point of view? Um, there, there really isn't much of a, uh, a line there because it's not my point. Of view. You know, it's, I'm not trying to get out there and sell people on my opinion. I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just some knucklehead, you know, that's out here who, who, who loves the Lord. And me getting out there trying to tell people what I think is really going to steer people wrong. So what I tell people is like, look, this is what the Bible, there has to be some truth out there. I mean, people are looking for truth and then people will turn around and say, well, is there really a such thing as truth? And it's like, well, how do you know that you're even asking a true question? So there has to be some truth. And I trust the Lord to provide that truth. And if that comes off preaching to some people, well, you know, then that's what it's, because even people who try not to be preachy and they want to, and they want to give another worldview, they're going to do the same thing. However, you know, the Lord does tell us to be salt and light. So when you just have like a platform where you're just able to talk to people, it's going to come off preachy. But that's where entertainment comes in. And God does tell us to be salt and light. He wants us to take the message and make it savory. He wants us to take the message and be light with it. You know, so sometimes that light, it can be used to display something on a screen in a way that they might not have received it you know, right. So you think the some the issue with a lot of um, media is that people are too heavy then? Like they fail to find that salt, that entertainment value. Like sometimes maybe that's hurting a lot of pro-marriage media, maybe. Um, well, I don't know if it's hurting it because I, I really don't see that much of it. Um, oh, that's a good know, point. I mean, yeah, there isn't a lot of it. 
No, there's no, well, they, and the thing is, is the people who are, you know, more on the, maybe, you know, the faith oriented side or, you know, maybe even from the, the conservative side of things, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like, you know, they, they want to complain more than they want to compete, you know, and they don't want to, um, they don't really want to support. There's not enough support. And I'm hoping that that changes. It's possible that it can change and that they'll, it'll register with them. And I said, look, if you want the market to have something like this, where there's a counter narrative to what's been pushed out there, well, you got to kind of supply it. You got to supply something good. But at the same time, to supply something good also takes a sense of demand where it can be supported. So it's like, you know, those who are trying to do entertainment like that, they're almost at a standstill. You know, where there's, okay, there's a supplier who doesn't have the, the, the resources to, to do the supply, and there's the demanders who want something good, but it's not being supplied, but at the same time, the demander's not really supporting it anyway. So we got to, um, somehow we got to break that circle. Right, and what's your advice to people who, you know, want to, you know, provide education to people in an entertaining way, but they don't know where to start? Um, it takes patience, and it takes stamina um you know as as uh, i think it was mark twain who said uh you know a lie has jumped up and ran around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes and you know so for for us to get this going we have to understand that the lie that the uh you know people who are you know more self-serving and stuff like that um this is this is an easy thing to sell because it appeals to what feels good to us it's easy to sell that, and it's easy to promote that, and they'll just keep that thing going. They'll keep it going um, while, while those who are trying to tell the truth, they don't understand that it takes repetition. and It's like they, they're easily bored, and they easily run out of steam. What do you think is the biggest lie that people tell about marriage in the media today? Um, well, the biggest lie is that, um, one, you're, you're going to give up your freedom. Now the it's and it works. It's so it's very counterintuitive because, you know, when you got people who are single, it's like, look, I just want to live a single life and, and and whatnot. It's like, well, you're not free from things getting weird. <laughs> you know, it's like that person that you thought that you could you know have a one night stand with. Now all of a sudden it's like it got weird, uh, or they're a stalker now, or you might get pregnant, or you might have you might be faced with terminating the pregnancy if you even have enough conscience to even be care caring about that at all or um uh you might get an std so there's all these things there's all these anxieties um so that in itself is binding as far as i'm concerned there's, that's there's no how do you relax there's no freedom in that you know but that's the <laughs> lie that we're like, look you got to get out there you just got to have a good time you got to do what feels good and you only live once that's a big lie that's sold Freedom is when you're married, man, and you're and you're with this person, you know. It's like you're, you're you you can relax because hey, this is the person I don't have, I don't have to worry about getting. Is we get pregnant? Hey, we're, we're married, you know. Or uh, you know, it's like I shouldn't have to worry too much about an STD. Is it possible that your 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 spouse could be cheating on you? Yeah, that's possible, but at least the 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 anxiety is is minimalized, you know. These these certain things. So you know, but we look we go into the grocery store. And uh, what do we see on the tabloids all the time? Somebody's getting a divorce. You know, but that's okay because these people are rich and famous. They got money. They got fame. They can find somebody really easy. So, so love, if they even really knew what love was, is just some, you know, commodity that they can just, you know, they can just buy and sell or, you know, it just comes and goes like flipping orange juice or something. Mm -hmm. um, 
but that's what we're sold on that because hey that's glamorous that's that's uh that's a fair trade off for for wealth and fame it's okay they'll be all right they'll just find somebody new you know so but that's one of the biggest lies that are sold on us i think that's a really interesting point yeah the idea that um yeah people are afraid of marriage i think that's really the um the idea the idea that uh oh, I could meet someone, but, oh, I'm afraid that, you know, we'll get married and, you know, they won't make me happy or, you know, I'll have to not be selfish for a minute. I think people are just generally afraid of it and they just run to one set of fears uh, to avoid another. Yeah. You know, and that's, um, and once again, that's, it's really self-focused. You know, there's also, there's, you know, you have, you may have a person who really does just want to give love, you know, but they're afraid that a person won't receive it. Um, and then that shuts people off, you know, they, you, you have this lack of reciprocity, you know, but when you go into a marriage, you know, we're looking for somebody to, uh, you know, complete us. And everybody's going to disappoint, everybody's going to come up short there. You know, there's, there's, there isn't a person Absolutely. out there yeah, that, that can actually complete us. So we're looking... You know, it's like uh, that, that Cheech and Chong joke, you know, where, uh, you know, he says, hey, you know why cowboys always have crap in their mustaches? You know, looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, that's what people are doing. They're looking for this thing that they think is called love. We, our sense of love ultimately hurts people. Our sense of love becomes possessive or it becomes obsessive. It becomes codependent. It becomes toxic. It's, it's overbearing. Sometimes think that, you know, uh, love can be interpreted somebody by somebody molesting someone. Love can be interpreted by somebody as, as a, a, a sexual assault. These people interpret these things as love. Left to our own designs about what love is, we will hurt each other, period. And that's why God says, come to me. I'm the author of love. I tell you how to do it. You want to learn how to love? You come to me. It's not because God is some megalomaniac that wants to be, oh, worship me, worship me. He's like, no, you come to me so you learn how to be good to each other. That's why I want you to love me. Because I want mm. you guys to know how to love each other. You know, but people don't, we're, we're so full of ourselves. We think that we got this. No, we don't. You know, we've had thousands of years of an, this experiment to prove that we don't have this. We don't have it down. And, and like you said, Christians, even Christians, our divorce rate is high, but that's, these are lip service Christians who did not humble themselves before the Lord to say, Lord, teach me. Come into my heart and teach me how to do this. You know, and when people can get there without trying to act like they're all, you know, oh, I'm so into God and I'm at church every Sunday and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. It's like, look, stop with the charades. You're going to get them into your heart or not. You know, and then now we got a party. You know, then your your marriage will really go next level. I love how open you are with your beliefs. Um, you've mentioned that sometimes you've been like silenced or sidelined within the YouTube community because of your beliefs. Um, do you think that's a problem kind of in the media at large where newer different beliefs or racial perspectives or religious beliefs or whatever perspectives are kind of silenced in favor of like the typical story? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They don't like us. You know, and the Lord warned us of this. He said, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. You know, people don't want truth. It's like people talk about that. They want the truth. They want the truth, you know, and, and then once the once they're faced with the truth, you know, they're like the kid that, you know, that wants to see Santa Claus. You know, I want to sit in Santa Claus lap. And as soon as he gets his lap, he starts crying and he pees on Santa Claus. You know, that's that's <laughs> what people, you know, that's what, that's what they're like when they're faced with the truth. 
And because this truth doesn't appeal to their selfishness, they don't want to hear it. And YouTube, you know, um, you know, the whole the Internet overlords, liberal inter Internet overlords from Google to, to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, you know, they don't want to hear messages like mine. And they greatly marginalize what it is that I have to say. It's like, look, man, I'm not I'm not trying to be judgmental or preachy. It's, it's not what it's about, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a good time boy. You know, it's like I, I like I, I like to be chill. I like to have but it's like, look, if you don't have the truth, you don't have freedom. You know, this isn't just some, you know, just some saying or some cliche that we put out put out there. But seriously, if you do not, the truth that, you know, sets you free. And people and the reason why we're losing our freedoms, because people don't want the truth and they think and they're sold on this lie, this selfish lie that just does not sustain. And they, and they don't want me to get these messages out there. And so they greatly limit the reach of how far my limits go out. So it's not about trying to be preachy or judgmental. Can you talk a little bit about the um, some of the specific ways in which you found that like the media community has tended to be kind of exclusivist? Like you mentioned, um, I don't know if, if you're comfortable talking about it um, before, like things where like specific ways in which some of your media was shut down or banned and stuff like that, just for having a different perspective. I don't know if you'd be interested in talking with us a little bit about that. Sure, sure. Um, well, one of the things that looks really strange is that if I have um, 100, over 110,000 likes on Facebook, and um, and I guess a, a, a great number of them are followers, they actually, they they follow my stuff. They want to. They want to know. Hey, Zoe, uh, did you put up something new? And if you did, I want to know about it. So there are people. There's over a hundred thousand, almost one hundred ten thousand people who follow what it is that I do on Facebook. But my posts don't reflect that. So if I, and also on YouTube, and my YouTube subscriptions have stopped growing. So I was. Um, I I stopped. Um, doing subscriptions on YouTube, like, wow, like seven years ago. So they kind of held at like, you know, maybe like 36, 40,000 views. Um, a few months ago, I started like, uh, saying, Hey, I want to, you know, subscribe. If you like my videos, I started doing that a few months ago and it jumped like 20, grew like by 20,000, you know, subscribers, like almost quickly. And then it stopped. So right now my subscriptions aren't growing anymore. Even though I've got about 70, it was about 70,000. It was pushing up to 70,000. So when I do a video, that's like 70,000 people who should know that I've got a video out. Along with Facebook, that's like over 110,000 people who should know that I got a video out. So when I put out a video, I'm pretty sure within the first 24, 24 hours, tens of thousands of people should know that I have a video and be viewing it. But I'm lucky. If, I, if a video in 24 hours will, will reach like 1,400 people. So I know that my work is being marginalized. And I know that um, YouTube is denying monetization of my video. They, it, despite being, you know, we're against the big corporations. Well, that's what they are. And they sold out to the corporations. And they're pulling advertisements on people. And they're punishing people. And they're using, you know, even the, the liberal content creators as um, sacrificial pawns to get away with how they're sticking it to conservatives. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the YouTube videos that you've had advertising pulled from? Uh, I know some of the, some of our viewers might not be a little familiar with um, some of how that, how that's gone down. Yeah, um, the videos that they've targeted specifically are my Zola videos. And um, each time I put up the video, they send me a, a notification that says, um, we're not going to monetize your video. 
and uh, they'll give me like uh, these guidelines saying um, uh, videos that are not approved for monetization are videos that have uh, crude sexual content or nudity um, that are uh, violent or suggest violence are politically sensitive. And that's like the only one I guess I would be guilty of. It's like, I don't, I don't have sexual content in my videos. I don't use profanity I, and, or promoting drugs. And um, I think the thing that they're trying to reach for is that because my videos are called the Zoloft, they're trying to say that I'm promoting a regulated drug. It's like, <laughs> my name is Zoe, okay? So that's my name. You know, it's like, there's not a trademark on a name with the pharmaceutical companies for Zoe. There's not a trademark with them for Loft, you know, the, the, you know, the noun Loft. So it's like, this, my name is Zoe, this is my Loft, the Zoloft. So it's like, you guys are going to really reach to try to say that I'm promoting a drug because that place is called the Zoloft. It's like, admittedly, yeah, it's a play on words, but I'm not promoting a drug. So, you know, that's the little thing that I think that they're trying to reach for. And uh, for that, they're, they're, they demonetize my videos. Um, my Bible tripping videos, I guess they don't trip on those too much because, well, they've limited the reach on those so badly. I mean, I, I, I barely break a thousand um, views on those. And uh, so they, they don't pay any attention to those. They let those go. And I, because I talk about the same thing, it's just in a longer format. Um, but, you know, it's more focused on the Bible, but, you know, I still say some of the same stuff that they hate. So do you, how do you think that um, that kind of dislike for varying and diverse perspectives um, maybe plays into the way film is made? I know you've done um, some short film stuff yourself, and you're, um, you pay attention to how media works um, as a commentator. How do you think that kind of, um, I guess, discrimination plays into representation of just marriage within film? It's definitely discrimination. And, um, well... We know that right now um, the liberal narrative is beset on redefining marriage. It's almost offensive to talk about, you know, the liberals have made it offensive to, to um, you know, talk about having a mom and a dad. We're supposed to celebrate like single moms, you know, and, you know, God bless women who can, who raise a kid on their own, but is it something to be celebrated? Do you congratulate them? No. You know, I watched my my mom was a single mom and, and I'm not going to be all, well, my mom's a single mom. So I'm going to be totally supportive of single moms. You know, go girl, you, you do it. You handle your business. You don't need a man. Eh, right. I'm not going to, I'm not doing them any favors. I watched my mom raise four kids. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. That sucks. I watched what she went through to raise us. So I'm not going to be one of those people out there you know, saying, oh, it's it's great that you can raise a kid on your own. It's like, no, I want to be the guy who stands up for marriage and say, hey, dad, stick with your woman. First up, love your woman. First up, actually, love God. Then from there, love your woman. Woman, love your man. Love them more than your kids. Don't let your kids get in the way between because your kids have to see that their folks are solid. That's why we got so many insecure kids now because kids don't have that security at home. Their homes are broken. So he's got, we got generations of really insecure, messed up kids, right? So with marriage, because uh, you see people who don't have a marriage, it's frowned upon. Well, we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings because a lot of people are raised by single parents. So, so we try to keep it on the down low to, to, to play a marriage because it's not fair that other people don't have the, two fam the, two, uh, the, the, uh, the nuclear family. 
So it's things like that. And, it, and once again, it's all about feel-goodism and being self-righteous. And it makes people feel good about themselves to congratulate and celebrate these other things as opposed to promoting the things that actually matter that would, you know, would minimize these complications that we have in the culture. But, you know, why do that? Interesting. I think it's pretty obvious that you think that current representations of marriage and media aren't healthy for couples. Uh, I think there's a mix out there. I think if you know where to look, you can find some some diamonds in the rough. But overall, it, you know, it is a rough. It's very hard out there. Um, I'm interested to know what you think about romance in the media. Um, ah. Videos about romance from conservatives, from liberals that aren't necessarily preachy. Because I guess that's my uh, my criticism of conservatives, you know. Uh, everyone likes to talk a big game when it comes to, you know, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. But there's a lot of, when it comes to, like, love that really isn't talked about, romance that isn't really talked about. This idea that, okay, to have a strong marriage, you do, you know, um, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do that, but... What are some everyday practices that you can do with your spouse that'll keep your marriage strong? Um, I was wondering if you have any opinions about that or great examples that you can share. Um, well, I'll, I'll try to um, take it from the from the top of um, you know the thing about preachy. Um, you, there's really no way. There's hardly there's not that much of a way to get around telling somebody what's right without being preachy. You know, it's it's um you know. You tell somebody, you tell your kid to do, to do their homework. It's preachy. And make sure you do your homework. You know, make sure you do it. And the kid rolls their eyes and, you know, it's like, you know, drags himself upstairs to do their homework and stuff like that. You tell them what to do what's right. It's, it's, and it's hard to find a fun way to tell them. Now, take that same kid. The kid's like 12 years old or something like that. Hey, hey, you want to come and have a beer with daddy? Now you tell them something wrong. But that's fun. Right. So kids, oh, wow, I get to have a beer with daddy. Ugh. You know, so it ain't right. But that's an easier sell to your kids. So it's hard to get around, you know, telling people what's right, because once again, it comes back to, well, I don't want to be told what separates me from being selfish. I want to do things that satisfy me. I don't care if it's going to hurt me and I don't care if it's going to hurt somebody else. Do you think there's a, a difference between telling and showing, though? You were talking about, like, salt um, and making the message savory. And we're specifically um, always, of course, interested in, like, film. Like, how can we tell compelling film stories that yes. don't, you know, because, like, when you look at, like, uh, Fireproof, I think, was a good example of, like, a kind of romantic marriage movie. But mm -hmm. it really focused more, um, I, I think it, it tended to preach to the choir, I, I think that it's an awesome thing. I think my favorite thing about that movie is that the guy didn't kiss the actress. He only kissed his wife. They swapped out another woman so that he could kiss his wife at the kissing scene. I thought that was so awesome and, and powerful. But, um, you know, it's like how can – that movie only reached the people who already believed that. Like, how can we start making things that reach, that talk, you know, that are promers that give, like Sam was saying, like real useful information, but that reach people who wouldn't see this, you know, like who, who aren't in the fireproof audience. Um, and, you know, like, how do you, I don't know if there's any good romance videos that you've seen or anything that you, that you 
have access to like people in your you have a huge like kind of conservative filmmaker network like anybody who's like coming up with cool ideas you know like drop the scoop on us for like any cool ideas that are coming up that you think can reach people who wouldn't normally be reached by kind of pro-marriage movies yeah well i kind of answered that earlier in that the, the whole supply and demand thing see we want the supply of it but the demand isn't supporting the supply of it and while on the supply side you don't have that many people, you know, there's, there's yourselves, you're, you're, you're kind of like a, uh, an anomaly in this who are trying to supply something like that. You know, okay, here, here's the thing. And, and I'm going to try to make this, I'll try to make this really short. We have to consider the way, you know, people who are more conservative minded are kind of wired. We live in a, in a, in a kind of, um, you know, we're, we're about being practical, rational, being in the real world, that kind of thing. You know, and doing things that are more commonsensical. Okay? Now, in order to do that, you're going to have to, in order to have that kind of personality, you got to sacrifice something. You're going to kind of sacrifice your creativity. You know, that whole imagination thing is, isn't going to be your strong suit because you're all about being practical, commonsensical, you know, real deal. Well, with liberals, they're totally different. Their whole world is imagination, make-believe, creativity. Now, to sacrifice, and the thing that they sacrifice from that is practicality, common sense. So on the conservatives in trying to make something like this, it's not really within our wheelhouse, typically. Sometimes you have those anomalies like yourselves who, who are, or myself, you know, who are more into the conservative mindset, but we're also appreciative of creativity. And we want to be creative and we want to share imagination and use imagination to illustrate real world practical ideals. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because um, I know a lot of religious people, a lot of Christians, you know, they sort of lament at the way, I guess, the, the way the culture is going, how all of the really interesting, innovative things in art, in high, high, in fine art are, um, yeah, are liberal based and, and non-religious based and fine art, owes its foundations to Christianity, to religion in general. Um, so like, where did we lose that? You know, when did we, as religious people, as Christians, when did we stop creating? I think that's such an amazing point too, because they're, they're the original, all the original art, like, like from the, you know, the big Renaissance stuff, there's a lot of big, actually, even like East Asian art, like art all over the world that's like was fueled by a passion for a, for a higher power, for something you believed in, right? And all of a sudden, it's like we, we forgot that. It's almost like we've forgotten the heart of worship. Like we've forgotten that worship is I'm pouring out, I'm making beautiful things because I love something that's beyond me. And that's mm -hmm. gone. Like the, the heart of, it's like we've lost, almost like we've lost the heart of worship and, and, uh. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't know how we, I, Sam, I think that's an amazing point because like, then how do we get that back? Basically that hard of, because now it's all very much like, you know, if you're a liberal, you might become an arts major. If you're conservative, you might, you're probably going to go into biomedical engineering or something like that. And it's like your whole life is like, it's kind of like Alfonso, you were talking about very, it's kind of like very rigid, like psycho political mindsets. And it's like, we forget all that. We forget like the spirit underneath that, the spirit of like, I care about something beautiful and therefore I'm going to make something worshipful about it. And it's like, where, where did that go? You know? 
Well, the thing is, here's the thing about art. When people do art, you know, your imagination is supposed to be limitless. And, you know, art is supposed to, you know, in a, in, in a lot of ways is to escape from what's real. So, you know, when, we, when we're trying to, you know, create a piece, whether it's a picture or whether it's a song or whether it's a, a movie or, or a teleplay, we don't want to be bound by, you know, these, uh, we don't want these parameters. It should be limited. So if I want to, if I want to make a movie and it's got like, and if, if my imagination says that, hey, it's going to be people having sex and uh, it's going to be uh, lots of violence and it's going to be this and that, I don't want God telling me what to do. I've got this in my mind and I want to do it because art should have no limits. Maybe. And that's the reason why, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, maybe that comes down to different philosophies of art too, because I mean, I've talked to people that their philosophy of art is something like that, like escapism. To me, mm -hmm. art should be a new lens from which you look at reality. It should not be an escape at reality. And I think that's why we push so much in our, our podcast and, and in our work, we push how current art doesn't reflect reality. Current art has only one mindset. It's not racially representation representative. It's not religiously representative. It's not, it's like got only one kind of person, uh, which is basically the single white liberal female um, or the, and the single white liberal male. And that's all you have in romance. And it's like in real life, you have the, and I think art should be reflective of reality. You have all different kinds of people. You have, you have some wonderful, interesting liberal people. You have wonderful, interesting conservative people. You have people of all different colors and all different mindsets, all different we have people like yourself who are like conservative. We have all these kind of different ways of thinking. And art should be our lens to illuminate reality and make us think about who we are and what we should be. And I think that's well, where we're getting to a, philosoph a philosophical difference. Because like you're talking about, there are some people that their entire point of art is, I want to escape. So let's have the sex and the violence because I don't get that in real life because I don't have any sex. And I don't get to beat up the people I want to beat up. <laughs> well, you know, um, see right there, and, and forgive me, I'm, I'm not trying to be contentious. But the thing is, that's where, that's where society has really gone wrong. Because there is the idea that art should be the lens how, of how we view life or how we're going to you know, demonstrate these ideals. Art is not my lens to life. God is. We see, even, even as art, isn't even as an artist, and I, I've struggled with this myself, is that art was my God. Art was the thing that I tried to express myself through. That's wrong. God is my lens. God is the one who gave me the ability to be an artist in the first place. And I should be using it for him. Well, doesn't doesn't making God the lens like make him smaller? Like, shouldn't we all be looking at him? And art is the way that we look at him. Again, like a worship aspect. Like it's we look at greater realities. We look at God, just like we work for God, rather than because like he should be bigger than that. We shouldn't be using him. That's not biblical at all. Because even God looks at us through Jesus, and we're supposed to look at God through Jesus. So even Jesus himself is a lens. So in order for us to process life. For us to even look at anything, God should be our filter. Whether I it's think you're the, both right. <laughs> whether you're looking at whether it's looking at politics, my political beliefs are filtered through God. My art is filtered through God. My marriage is filtered through God. My martial arts filtered through God. My music, anything that I do, I have to filter it through God. What what name something that I should do without counsel of God first? Yeah, I think that's not what I mean by filter because I don't disagree with you that on that as like a. Yeah, because when I'm talking about like a lens, I'm talking about like using art to maybe it's a more practical way of looking at art, like using art to teach us how to 
behave. I don't. Th I think all art should have a purpose. I don't think that art should be just for enjoyment. Is what I'm saying. Maybe I'm being a little more conservative or more practical I th than uh, than people are no, maybe art, used to art hearing. Art is an excellent instrument to teach with. It's a. It's you know. It's essential. That's. I mean. That's part of what I do. I try to use art to convey a message, a a, a redeeming message, a, something teachable. Not just doing it for my own pleasures, but art itself is not a teacher. Art is a vehicle. Art is, a, is, is as you said, it is, is a way to be able to convey a message to someone. You can use art for that. But art in itself has no virtue. Art's like a gun. How are you going to use it? You're going to either use the gun to commit a crime or you're going to use the gun to protect the peace. Oh, are you that's gonna a great example. Art? Yeah. Are you going to use the art to mind rot people or are you going to use the art to help better people? Now, I can't take my art and assume that I'm going to make somebody better for it. Because if anybody listens to me, you're listening to crap. But what I will try to use the art for is to try to take the message of God, or at least the message that's like, like I said, anything that I do, it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm going to be talking about God all the time. My objective is that if I'm not talking about God, I don't, if I'm not talking about God, I don't want to talk about something that's apart from him. In other words, I don't want to get out there and glorify you know, uh, selfish behavior, drugs and sex and or, or uh, uh, fornication. I mean, don't, it, it, for anybody else who listens, like, no, I don't have a problem with sex. You know, sex is dynamite. But fornication is something else. And that ends up, you know, people out there looking for completion by having sex with these different partners often find themselves feeling more incomplete. You know, so there's no there's really no freedom in it. Um, but that's the message that I use the art for. Sometimes the art is just for fun, but as long as it's not art that's apart from God. And that's, yeah, it's very interesting. I think, um, yeah, this idea of art being apart from God or apart from your religion is, is a reason why a lot of religions have, and Christians, you know, and people in other religions have backed away from creating art or contributing to it because they, I think, over time, people feel like, um, have felt like, you know, artists, art has gone a bad way. And yeah. you don't want to participate in that because that is inherently uh, setting yourself apart from God. I think that's part of what has to do with, you know, why uh, the religious realm and Christians, you know, specifically have pulled back from being, you know, these content creators. I think also, um, I think what the Christian community is, the thing is, is there's way too much of the circular firing squad syndrome. Um, Christians are, are, are often worse critics um, than even, you know, those who are in, in the secular world. Um, you know, it's if, if you're not, if, if your movie is, it doesn't absolutely line up to their perception of doctrine, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to condemn you and they're going to condemn your movie, you know? And I, I get it. It's like, look, man, you don't want to you, you don't want to lie to people and you definitely don't want to lie to people while saying that you're a Christian. But sometimes it's one of those things where it's like, look, man, take what you can from it, because at least in this production, there is some truths in there that line up with Scripture that you can that you can. Like, I, I'll, I'll use an example Um, that movie, The Shack. Um, I wasn't, you know, floored by the movie. It wasn't like, you know, my my favorite movie but i suggested it's like yeah get out there and support it i and i and some people they just the movie was just heretical and and uh you know they just they slammed it and you know it has nothing to do with it's a false doctrine and stuff like this like you know 
I'm not saying that this guy is, is Joe Scholar when it comes to the Bible, but what he's leaning on is the emotional connection because a lot of these people out there, that's how they're, that's, that's how they relate to things with emotion. So he's not trying to reach them on an intellectual level, not on a squared doctrinal level uh, biblically. He's not, he's not going to go over their heads. They don't get that, but they do get the emotional aspect of it. So it's like, dude, let him do that. And for those who are the good soil that the seed will fall on, they will seek a bit a better understanding in Christ. Because you're going to get those. You're going to get those with the good soil. You're going to get the rocks. You're going to get the thorns. You're going to get those. Just let him cast a seed, you know, and, and we can make our commentaries on it, but try to support and so, find some way to support. Because the only if, if you don't, the only thing you're going to get is the smut. And with, with, with liberals, what they do when they're, when they're selling this stuff, they're not selling romance. They're selling sex. You know, that's, that's the appeal is, is what they do. You know, when you have the screen and all of a sudden, you know, it's like out of nowhere, they're naked and, you know, they had sex. They just met like a, you know, a few hours ago or something like that. And, and this, is, this is what they sell all the time. They're not selling romance. They're not selling anything solid. There's no solidarity between these people. Um, you got the Hollywood ending at the end of the movie. The, the bad guy gets killed. The guy gets the girl and whatever. Um, but are they selling actual marriage? No. They're selling a good time. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, and it's and it's a lie. You know, it's a lie that they're selling and, you know, people are buying it. But, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, but they and also the thing that they're selling is they do have this, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, like in certain um you know, these Hollywood movies that they do like try to present like a interracial marriage and stuff like that. But I noticed this, I noticed this with Hollywood and I've seen shows. It's like, let's say, for instance, there's a white couple. I mean, a white uh, woman and a black man or vice versa. They always make it problematic. It, they, it's like they never show them. Actually, it's I heart. I don't think I don't know if I, when I've ever really seen this. And I, I, admittedly, I don't watch that much TV. But when I have seen it and I've seen uh, uh, whether it's a white man, or a black woman or vice versa. They always make it problematic, like it's yeah. something that you just want to avoid. Or that know? that's the main source of their conflict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it sells. They have they have to play up this drama, right? Yeah, or exactly. That's the main source of their conflict. Or or just somehow they just they just they just bicker. And there's just something wrong with their relationship. Yeah, no, and I think that's something that actually they think Samantha's mentioned in a previous podcast that like People in Hollywood tend to treat interracial marriages not like this is a normal marriage with normal marriage problems, but there's something weird about this marriage because it's interracial. And I think that's something yeah. that we really tried to work towards in our script is focus on these are ordinary people. They have ordinary marriage problems. Sangman and mm -hmm. Lashanda, all their problems are about their personalities, you know, normal angry, I guess, I guess the word would be like sinful, normal human being problems, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than like, oh, this is a problem because I'm Asian and you're black. Uh, right. and, and I think that's, I think you make a fantastic point that there's a lot of like tokenism. Uh, we had Kay, um, Kay, Kay Winks on our podcast a few weeks ago and she talked a lot about being tokenized and actually I found her because she was calling out a certain um, liberal group online for pretending to support diversity but then their entire group is all white. There's like one token black guy. And it's like this, when they mean diversity, they actually mean um, sexual 
diversity. Like they're not actually interested in racial diversity. And I think that's a thing that you see a lot in certain circles. I'm not saying, cause I, I, you know, we try to be, I'm, you know, on this podcast, a lot of you listeners are liberal. A lot of you listeners are conservative and we love and we love having all of you. But uh, it is a fact that there tends to be this like white liberal tokenism where there's like, and I'm maybe you've experienced it in the conservative movement. I don't know where there's this like, you know, we care about diversity insofar as it helps ourselves. We don't actually care about diversity when it's actually about like helping black and Asian people or anything like that. You know, and I don't know if you've seen that in the conservative movement, but I know for sure that like Kay and other people talked about seeing that in the liberal movement where it's like, we care about diversity when it's going to help us as like white gay people or white liberals in general. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen any of that in the conservative movement too. I'd actually be curious to see if you've, if you've experienced any of that like tokenism stuff. Um, it's not so much that I feel it's, it's something I don't want to say it's as bad as feeling like a token. It's not like a total. It, it's just, and don't get me wrong. There's something just like, say for instance, uh, when I did this piece, um, calling out Michelle Obama for this thing that she did with the Tuskegee Institute, I saw a couple of head headlines that went out there. Black guy takes out Michelle Obama. It's like, okay, okay. I have a problem with that. All right. You're using me as a token now. Yeah, I mean, that's super tokenist. That's like about as token as it gets. You know, it's like, and I had to call these people out. It's like, dude, I don't appreciate that. I have a name. Don't just call me some black guy. (laughs) I don't have a problem with being black. I don't care if it's like, uh, you know, hey, black guy calls out my brother or some white guy calls out Michelle or Mexican. It's like, that's not the point. I have a name. You know, and I'm not, but but since I am the black guy, don't use me as the black guy as freaking clickbait. I think that's an amazing point. Yeah. So it's, it, 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 like I said, it's a drop in the bucket on the conservative side. You know, I'll give them that. It happens. I'm not going to say that it doesn't. And it's annoying. But it, that's, but for as far as liberals go, that's normal for them. So you personally feel like in your personal life, you've received more uh, discrimination or like tokenism from basically the side you disagree with. Um, does that play at all into, or how does that affect kind of how you end up choosing your beliefs? Um, well, you know, I was, a I was a conservative before I became a Christian and it's, you know, becoming a Christian solidified what I believed about conservatism. Um, so I'm, I'm, I would, I guess I, I if I may say for myself, I feel more uh, solidly conservative or as, as a full spectrum conservative based on what I've read in the word. Um, you know, the, the word of God is totally counter in, you know, uh, intuitive to my human instincts. You know, like when people try to say that, oh, the Bible was written by man, it's like, dude, have you actually read it? There's no way that it could be written by man or it was, it was recorded by men, but not breathed by men. If you read it, it's like it totally goes against our instincts. So in examining it, I'm like, I can see why this goes against our instincts, because it is totally a selfless work. It's, it's a book that does not satisfy our selfishness at all. And when looking at conservatism and looking at how these ideals play about in marriage, in politics, in business, in friendships and stuff like that, the thing that you take out of it that helps it survive is taking out the selfishness. Is taking out the selfishness of it, and that is how you help to sustain these relationships between people, whether business or personal. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Thank you so much, Alfonso. All right, thanks, guys, for having me.
Absolutely. Uh, tell us a little bit about where we can find your YouTube channel and your socials. Um, thank you. Um, my website is Alfonso Rachel, A L F O N Z O R A C H E L. People like get confused about how to spell my name. It's like A L P H O N is like the most complicated way you can spell my name. It's like, no, it's just AlfonsoRachel.com, and uh, they can find uh, uh, the, the, the blogs that I do. I usually I'm a video blogger, I have the Zoloft. I have my Bible tripping, uh, and I got some books on there. I got my music with 20 Pound Sledge. So anything that uh, people might want to find out about Ozo, just hit me up there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And with that, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Good night.